Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. We Do can it. go live while we're talking about the fact that P.F. Chang's fell off because Dude, they're not as good anymore. They are not. They used to. Mm-hmm. See, look, 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 look. We're like, uh, you know, I'm married to an authentic Chinese woman. Yeah. So we generally authentic Chinese food. And you go. we used to go to P.F. Chang's early on and we'd be like, this shit is only 70% garbage. It's not bad. Now it's 100% garbage. Yeah, I used to really like it. Now it's now it's pretty bad. By the way, you know you want to talk about gentrification. You know the P, you know what the PF stands for. Most people don't know this. Isn't it like Peter Francis or something? Paul Fleming. Yeah, what the a, fuck? It's a white guy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Fleming Changs. That would be like me opening a place, being like Tom Heinenberg Changs. It's not okay, dude. We should totally open a place like that, <laughs> and you could have a dollar menu because it's like you know to get in the riffraff. Uh, hey guys, it's supporters. What up? This is just for you because the rest of the world doesn't deserve us like this. Dirty. That's true. Uncensored. And we're going to be reading your comments. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. Unless they dumb, and then we won't read them. Yep. And in which case, we'll just talk about me the whole time <laughs> and my 20th anniversary UCSF medical school graduation. Oh, this is right. I'm going They're tomorrow. giving you a major award, are a they ma- not? I, It's my major award, Super- Tom Heine. You were always jealous of my major award. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put in the... In the front room so the whole neighborhood can see. <laughs> right here. Look at that. Look at that. You know what I love about that movie is, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, A Christmas, Christmas Story, Storm. the greatest movie of all time, Yep, is uh, the way the kid describes that lamp, the leg lamp. He's like, the sweet glow of electric sex illuminating the window. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't make movies like that anymore, It's man. so good. Uh, yeah, so 1999, I graduated UCSF. So I get this message like in January. They're like, uh, you've won a major award. And I'm like, okay, and I'm like innovator of the whatever. I forget what it was. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, now you should come to your 20th reunion. It's the alumni association, yeah. right? So they 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 want you to come and like shill for their people to donate to the to the thing. And I'm like, well, I've never really done anything for UCSF properly because I'm still scarred by the entire experience of medical school. So maybe I should show up. So yes, I'm gonna go on Saturday. I'm gonna see the 20 classmates out of 140 that are going. Does it feel crazy that it's been 20 years since you've been in uh, in medical school? <sighs> you know, I'm so old now, Tom Heineber, nothing feels crazy. Really? You could tell me it was 50 years. I'd be like, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, I still remember. So when I graduated, the 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 I had to give that speech that kind of opened up the possibility of becoming an internet thing because mm-hmm. I eventually put it on the internet webs. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Series of tubes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Al- I, Al Gore and Menendez. I, after, gra- <laughs> after graduating and doing the speech, me and my dad, we were in downtown San Francisco, went to the AMC theater in downtown and watched the world premiere of The Phantom Menace. And I remember coming out of the movie going, was I supposed to like that? I'm a big Star Wars fan, but 
something wasn't right with that movie. I don't know. I still like it, though. Trying to convince myself that that was a great movie. And in my mind, I was just, you know, that's what I was hearing uh-huh. is a duel of the face because that was the dopest part of the whole thing. It is. And uh, I think I cried myself to sleep that night. <laughs> and uh, so that's what I remember about about 20 years past. But yeah, so I'm, me and Dr. Harry are going, Dr. Harry's wife. That'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. We're going to have cocktails. My buddy Todd Whitehurst who works at Google now. <laughs> Such an old man. <laughs> like excited. Like, We're going to have cocktails. I've been looking forward to this for a while. <laughs> I'm gonna have cocktails with some of my old classmates. We're gonna catch up, tell some war stories. You know, it's gonna be really dope, man. God, I suck so much, man. Uh, let's read some fucking comments. Um, I was in seventh grade in 1999. Fuck you, Charity Trowel, for being so young. I was in fifth grade in 1999. So I got you beat, girl. Oh, uh-huh. snap, the youth. The youth. Diane Hayes, Tom, reenact the German shepherd kicking. Uh, oh, no. Tell this story. Well, here's the story. So uh, I have a little tiny dog. He's a King Charles Cavalier. He's adorable. adorable. He's a perfect little gentleman, in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we were walking him around the neighborhood, and you know, a neighbor's gate had blown open, and they have a German shepherd. And this fool lunged out from a bush at my dog, you know, like teeth, you know, gnarled, ready to my dog and so I, I kicked the shit out of it like nice I, I soccer kicked this dog because for people who don't know listen i'm a country boy grew up in arkansas the way you break up a fight between two dogs usually two aggressive dogs but this is in, in this case this was basically going to be a murder <laughs> the way you break up a fight between two aggressive dogs is you find the bigger more aggressive dog and you just kick it as hard as you can in the ribs and it ends the fight mm. because otherwise if you don't the dogs are going to kill each other right in this case it would have just been the german shepherd killing my dog right so i kicked it really hard and i had to go explain to the neighbor like hey, how did bro. that go yeah yeah i was just like First of all, why the fuck is your dog out and attacking my dog? Right. Second of all, you know, you're probably going to have to go get your dog looked at because I, like, really did kick it super hard. Oh, You know what I mean? Nice. So if it's acting funny, I might yeah. have broken its rib. Right. Yeah. Ooh. Man, that's tough. You know, when you told me this story, my first instinct was you should have murdered that dog. Mm-hmm. Like, if a dog comes attacking my pet, that's, like, grounds for, like, stand your ground and murder the animal. Yeah. Right? Uh, but then there was part of me that was like, oh, you know, these are dogs. They don't know any better. They're behaving instinctually. But it's like, well, what are you going to do? Your dog's going to die. Well, what are you going to do? Your yeah. dog's going to die. One, once a dog shows aggression to a, a person, yeah, you they kill they, the dog immediately. They murder it. That's yeah. how I feel. Right. And if it shows aggression to another dog, that warrants a pretty hard kick, in right. my opinion. Right. Now, I, I don't kick my dog at home or anything. I'm not, like, a fan of kicking dogs. But, like, if it's, you know, right. the dog is about to be hurt. Yeah, it was just like children. About You're not supposed yeah. to hit kids unless they're in imminent danger, and you yeah. need to yeah, you need to stop them. Uh, Z, you know you're going to miss Vegas summers, Michelle Flores. Michelle, yes, I am, because uh, we sold our house. Although we're we're in contract, so we have to like um, you know be very circumspect because at any point it could all fall through if there's loan contingencies and appraisal contingencies and all kinds of motherfucking contingencies, <laughs> but. We're hopefully going to be back in the bay by the fall, uh, and uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a trip. But I'm going to keep flying back to Vegas because we still have this studio uh, for quite some time, and I'm going to be based here really still. So I won't be missing the summer, uh, Michelle. Uh, I'm going to be deep in the game with no swimming pool. Regina says uh, she's not a reunion person. She graduated high school in '71 and nursing school in '75, and never attended the reunions. So I have never attended a reunion either. So let me be honest with you: yeah. I've never fucking attended any reunion of any kind, and I wasn't intending to go to this. But now I have to retrieve Tom Heiner my major award, and the chancellor. I have to have breakfast with the chancellor yeah. and do all this stuff. And so it's like now it's a song and dance. And here's the 
here's the thing about this. Part of me is very honored and is like, oh, this was, you know, this was my alma mater and such and so, and they did a lot for me. And then part of me is like, well, oh, now they pay attention to me that I'm, I've got some internet clout. Yes. And so, of course, they want me to come, and of course, they're going to give me an award because it's going to draw more alumni donors. Totally. So I don't know how to feel about it, honestly. You know, there's a, there's a, a law of the universe that uh, people should internalize, which is you get no success, or you, you get no help until you have success. Mm. And then once you have success, you don't need the help anymore. Right. Yeah. But then it comes. Then it comes. And, exactly. You know, that's just how it always goes. It's just like sex. It's like, where were you when I needed you? Right. Like nothing's happening in your life. Right. No women, men, whoever it is you're into, nothing. And then you start dating somebody. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, you're attracted people want to have yeah. sex with you. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's a very interesting and wonderful thing. The only reunion I would have gone to was I would have gone the 10 year high school reunion. Seems like a good one to hook up with people. But I was not <laughs> single at the time, so I didn't go. And you're only 28. Yeah. So you still have high testosterone. Because well, that's that's mm-hmm. when you can actually go back and capitalize on right. some of that. You didn't right. love me back then. Look at me now. Look at me now. You know. The problem is, I'm going to tw- rent a Ferrari to show up here at 20. 20- <laughs> at 28, I was a depressed resident with no sleep. Totally. I've been like, look at me now, bitch. Look at me now. I'm sad. I loved you back then. <laughs> now I still love you, kind of. <laughs> I hate my life. Alex says, they're reporting on the news that there's this new cure for cancer and some patients are in remission and apparently the cure goes through your whole body and kills cancer. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Whatever. Uh, No. Listen, how many times have we heard this? I don't believe it. Yeah. I want to believe it. Mm -hmm. Is cancer the final boss? What do you mean? Oh, the final boss that we face as a, like, Donkey Kong. (laughs) Are we just never going to be able to outsmart cancer? No, I think we will. I think what it is, though, is that we fundamentally misunderstand it. Okay, there's two possibilities. And Peter Atia talks about this, too. Either we fundamentally misunderstand cancer because it's so complex. No, no, sorry, sorry. Let me back up. Either we fundamentally misunderstand cancer and it's not that complex. We're just getting it all wrong. Cancer is whatever, but we've been getting it wrong. Or... We do kind of understand cancer. It's just so complex that there's so many moving parts. It's a series of mutations. There's epigenetics. There's uh, an evolutionary Darwinistic component where it's evolving over time. It's becoming resistant to chemo, and then it's doing this. It's interacting with the immune system. You have um, you know, oxygen delivery and vascularization, neovascular, all these complex things. So we're, as Peter Atia has said, it's one of the most complex things you can ever do. So maybe we just need AI or we need the next step of complexity management to manage it. But I think it's beatable for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, 100%. There's nothing that isn't really solvable. You know what I don't, I don't think I ever internalized that cancer was just a bunch of growths inside of you. Like I never really internalized that until I saw somebody die of cancer. And then I was like, oh, oh. that's fucking terrifying. Right, right. That's terrifying. And you know what's what's crazy? That's about- not just your body breaking down. That's like, that's terrible. It's, it's the Ugh. worst. Ugh. It's the worst, and I think it's partially because, okay, if you imagine your body as a galaxy, like this system of uh, cooperating subunits, then what cancer is, is it's a series of the subunits that have, they've lost their ability to understand that they are not only a autonomous unit, but a part of a whole. Mm. They now decide we are just an autonomous unit. And by doing so, they destroy the cohesion of the entire community of of cells and the systems that make up our body. In many ways, it's kind of what the anti-vaxxers are doing. They're saying, we no longer accept this social covenant 
to vaccinate. We disagree with the body at large that this is good for us, mm -hmm. and we're gonna not do it. And then what happens? You get measles cancer. You get these cancers of measles poking up. Oh, Megan makes a good point. She says, we now have a vaccine for cancer and people are still resisting it. A yeah. vaccine for a cancer. For a cancer, yes, yes. Uh, HPV. Yeah. Uh, HPV-related cancers, which are several cancers, but one, uh, one type of virus, many subtypes. And yeah, exactly, people resist it. You could probably develop a vaccine for all cancers and people would resist it. I bet there are people who would resist an Ebola vaccine, even though, you know, an Ebola, say, let's say it becomes an outbreak in the US, they, they still wouldn't get it. Yeah. Because they're so ideologically uh, in this sort of mindset of, of you, do not violate the sanctity of my body with your toxins. Oh, then die of Ebola. Let me ask you this. Uh, I had heard recently somewhere, you know, that you're supposed to get revaccinated as an adult. Depending on the depending on what the the vaccine is. Yeah. So some people will say, yeah, you can lose MMR immunity, uh. but 98%, I mean, there's a large percentage of people who do get lifelong immunity, but there's some who don't. There's some who even never develop primary immunity. They just don't have whatever their genetic structure is, right. their immune system is different. I got the Tdap recently, but that's the only one I've Tdap, had. Tdap, you, yeah. Every and 10 years. Exactly, right? and, and uh, tetanus in particular. And, and uh, pertussis is one of those things. So people who have been immunized have been coming down with pertussis. And the thought is that the immunity wanes. And remember, like we, you know, we have decades of experience, but at the same time, in a perfect community immunity situation, you never find out because there are enough people immunized that the, the virus never gets a strong or the bacteria never gets a stronghold. Yeah. And unfortunately now we're starting to test those things because they are getting strongholds again because of stupidity. Uh, it is funny, you know, we've talked about anti-vaxxers. Many of them are incredibly intelligent and then the rest of them are just borderline intellectually disabled. Oh. Like the kind of memes they make. Yeah. Like I was sending you, like they make memes with me in them. I'm uh, like, they're... you know, this is not, A, it's not funny. B, it's not clever. C, it's stupid. Four, it's poorly done. It really is like having a um, seven or eight year old child come up to you and be like, look at this, isn't this funny? And you're yeah. like, not really. Yeah. Oh yeah, Billy, <laughs> yeah. this is very funny. Yeah. It's very funny. Now put Sorry. your helmet on and get back on the bus. <laughs> um, Sorry. That wasn't appropriate. I told you I got, I got, I goaded a, so an anti-vaxxer on Twitter was trying to attack me about my HPV stuff. And so yeah. I actually, I never do this, but I decided, it was funny, I woke up that day and I was kind of pissed off and in a bad mood. I'm like, I'm gonna cause some fucking trouble on Twitter. So I went on Twitter and I saw this woman was attacking me. So I started going back at her and, you know, kind of basically ridiculing her complete lack of knowledge about anything. Of course. And it goaded her to the point where I was starting to get immature with her, I was like, well, you're dumb and you're also stupid and you probably eat you know, cereal without milk. You know, just stupid stuff. And she wrote back and she said, you guys are retarded and don't care about children or something. And I'm like, oh, the R word from someone who purportedly is going to bat for children who might become autistic from these vaccines. I'm like, oh, you're a very special person. And she immediately deleted her entire account and all this other stuff. Because wow. she, so I actually goaded her into showing a her little true, bit of stupidity. Colors, yes, but maybe. I did screen cap it and reposted it <laughs> because I'm vicious. I'm vicious online. Like if this is about the health, this is about the safety and health of the public and children. And it's like, if you can't get your shit together and you're going to come at me, I will fucking destroy you. Like mercilessly, I'll never stop. Tony says during Desert Storm, we had to get anthrax vaccines. I got three of the six before I retired. Even with three, I'm supposedly good for life. So bring it on, Saddam. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Saddam. Bro, we got we got Saddam, bro. Dude. So Tom pulls up the other day. He goes, Z, 
You've probably forgotten this, but we're going to watch it right now. It's <laughs> Chappelle's skit from Chappelle's show, Black Bush. Oh, it's for anybody who hasn't, you really should Google it. I can not repeat any of it for you because I'm not allowed to say the N-word. That's right. But it's amazing. And when you watch it, you kind of realize that Black Bush is basically just Donald Trump. Because <laughs> <laughs> Chappelle is like calling on reporters. He's like, damn, why'd I call on this guy? Why you always got to be like this, bro? You know? Oh, my. It's so good. He's like, they try to kill my dad. They try to kill my dad. It's so good. Uh, highly, highly recommend. Brian Palmer, after stem cell transplant, I will have to be revaxed. But until I'm able, uh, I'm in danger from all these anti-vax people. So Brian Palmer having a stem cell transplant yeah. means his immune system set back to zero, which means his humoral immunity and his cellular immunity is going to be jacked up, which means he has to be revaccinated. And like he says, he's one of the people who's in that gray where you are literally putting his life in danger by not being vaccinated. Adeline says, uh, I like hearing your thoughts on the role of shaming anti-vaxxers. We know it doesn't change minds, yet it still might be the best approach. How do you know when shame is your best bet and where do you draw the line? Yeah, and we've talked about the distinction between shame and guilt. Shame is probably the wrong word. You want to make them feel guilty for being yes. completely idiotic. So I think it works in the sense, okay, I think shame, shaming these people works by proxy on people on the fence. So this, let me explain what I'm saying. Shaming someone directly is a very hard, it, there's not a lot of evidence that that's going to do anything but cause them to entrench. However, shaming someone's idol or someone who's kind of influencing someone. So in other words, I'm a dad on the fence about vaccines because I've heard some stuff. Then ZDog MD comes on and he is shaming the fuck out of someone I thought was credible. You know, Andrew Wakefield or Dell Big Dick or one of these guys. I'm gonna watch that, I'm entertained, and it's interesting because he's making good points and he really, really, really thinks this guy is a turd. Now it turns out the guy doing the shaming is a pretty credible motherfucker. So, but in that way, I get a lot of messages from people who are like, I changed my mind because of X that you did. And, and sometimes it does involve, you, you really made some points about Jenny McCarthy or whatever that I hadn't thought about. So yeah. in that sense, I think guilting and shaming works. Now on them directly, no, on the delusional cult people, no, you're not gonna you're not gonna change it. You get them to entrench. Man, it's so hard because shame is almost like a um, a religious precept, you know. And right. And now that we've lost religious institutions writ large in society, you know, politics and and things like this, nutrition, whatever, have become the new religion. That's right. And so it's it's very tricky because like like for, I'll give you climate change as an example. Climate change is like an, a a religion of the left, and you have people like AOC who are like you know they have the the Green New Deal and all this crazy gibberish. Climate change is is real. I'm not a climate change denier, but I don't know that we're going to solve it with uh, personal responsibility or individual choices. Like I think we have to invent some new technologies to solve it. Yeah. You know? I, and so. But but if I start having the nuanced conversation with people, they're like, "Oh, you you don't believe in climate change?" Right, right. And right, it's like, right. "No, no, yeah. I, I believe in yeah, it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. In fact, I don't believe in anything. Yeah, I believe. The scientific in consensus yeah. seems to be that we are, uh, you know, exasperating H human climate change. Yeah, yeah. human induced exasperating, climate change. Yeah. Right. Now, so so okay. Th this is where okay, climate change is fascinating because this is a great example of the intersection of science and politics, and vaccines are actually similar that way. So. The intersection looks like this. You have the scientific consensus that mm. the earth is warming. 
no doubt. You have a scientific consensus that it's human-induced, and there's lots of evidence for why that is. Now, yeah. you can argue a little bit back and forth, that's fine, but the consensus right. is that. And and so, you know, nine out of nine climate scientists will believe this, and there's one guy who's like smoking weed, who's like, no, maybe, and you have to have mm -hmm. contrarians in any space, yeah. you do. So. So here's, why is that then not accepted? It's because it violates a certain ideology and it's spun in a certain way. So on the left, it's spun as big government and corporations are bad, man. We need to protect mother earth. And that means you need to stop using plastic, bro. Okay, that's the ideology on the left. On the right, which is a business-minded, more capitalist sort of thinking, oh, Wait, you're trying to tell me that making cars, which are good for the U.S. economy, digging up coal, making oil, burning oil, which is the cheapest way to have energy, you're going to stunt our economy because of shit you're saying? Well, now my ideology is going to push back and say, well, it's probably not even true what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the problem. Now, you're right. I think, actually, if we t go to both sides and go, listen, let's be really honest. Individual choice is going to do nothing to, to drop the 480 parts per million of CO2 in the right. atmosphere. It's going to take a major concerted push of technology to get us beyond oil and also do carbon sequestration. It's so hard to get people to be pragmatic about things. Like, like take the, the abortion debate, which we've talked about on the show. And, you know, my position on the abortion debate is that if uh, you know a fetus is non-viable, it's non-viable. Like if it's incompatible with life, it's incompatible with life. Right. So that should be the cutoff, in my opinion. Wherever science has put incompatible, in, wherever science, like now we have artificial surfactant, you can keep 22 and 23 weekers alive and things. So okay, pre 22 and 23, that's probably okay to have an abortion, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm pro infanticide. Actually, yeah. I think we should leave kids <laughs> on the mountain. Super late term abortion. Super late. Yeah. In fact. I think 18 should be the cutoff because <laughs> there's some kids that you're just like, you know what? Mm, it would be better if you were never had. Uh, but it's so hard to get people to be pragmatic about anything. No, no. They, they, yeah, because it's emotional. We're emotional creatures. Yeah. It, it's hard. It, but if you can actually. Well, also, that's sort of how politics works, right? It's like, you know, you don't care at all until some guy comes around and be like, here's reasons you should care. Yeah, okay. Yeah. First of all, they're killing babies. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. okay. Yeah. What do you think of this Lucy Flores, Joe Biden thing? The where he was rubbing her shoulders, yeah, and he, like, yeah, and she was like, creepy, it was creepy, creepy and kiss and on the head, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Joe Biden looks creepy to me. <laughs> I buy it. Uh, yeah, I, it's funny. I, I love that you know the Democrats are going to be undone by. Let's not get too political on this episode, but yeah. like, just the Trump's playbook. I, I just don't know that he can be beat. You're going to have to fight fire with fire to, fight, to <laughs> yeah, beat you have to Trump. Fight fire with fire. You know? Yeah, I agree. You're just going to have to be like, yeah, I kissed her. I'm creep. I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. That's what Trump would do. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Biden didn't apologize. He no. said, he said, yeah, I'm going to work on my personal space, I guess. I actually think that everybody has learned a terrible lesson from Trump, which is that the playbook is now to never apologize. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, man, we have to create space for apologies in reasonable, apologies. rational discourse. And, and, and how know? do you do that? I think a delayed apology by one month is the appropriate response. That's interesting. I, so I, you'd be like, I will comment on this in one month when but, the hate has died down. But you know, you know, like I think in order for apologies to make any sense at all, they have to be accepted. So in other words, there are, Sam Harris will say this now, there are situations where now no apology could ever write it and it can be something as stupid as you know Liam Neeson saying well when he was younger he fantasized about killing black people who had raped you know the, his friend was raped by a black person right. and he fantasized about killing black people it's like okay that's terrible he admitted it he said this was terrible but no amount of apology would be accepted by people which is unacceptable mm -hmm. the whole idea of apology is it has some value if it's made sincerely now you could 
you could question sincerity of apologies, apologies, but that that means looking at the entire pattern of someone's behavior and also how they deliver the apology and you know how you know, sincerity and those kind of things. This is, I want to read this one from Adeline, who says, uh, "I think climate change is a great example of our inability to properly account for outcomes that occur in the far future. As a population, we're terrible at delaying gratification. The bad outcomes from climate change are just too far in the future for us to care about doing anything today, which is the same as you know." Why should I care about measles, mumps, or rubella? Yeah. There's no measles, mumps, or rubella around. Yeah. All right. If it starts popping up again, like it did in New York recently, yeah. then I'll go get the shot. Yeah. You know? Another good example of that is like the national debt. It's like, well, we can't, this is going to be a problem for our kids, but let's just go ahead and spend a shit ton of money on stuff that we have no idea whether it works. Yeah. Right. Unintended consequences. Well, the national debt is just a, a matter of, we print money as a matter of, uh, that's how we do business yeah, yeah right yeah, so yeah. like inflation is a tax that you don't have to have anybody vote on right so they're just going to keep inflating the currency that's right now you can't have it too high or whatever but we're right. going to live in a permanent state of quantitative easing and that's yeah the national debt will only grow it's already it's already yeah. there uh deborah torek so i have a friend who quit eating meat because cow farts cause global warming but drives a gas guzzler see that's the thing on an individual level these decisions make no sense you need systemic change yeah so look. Oh, and people love to do this. Like I have a buddy who's like, you know, pretty liberal, the hippie, crunchy granola type, and he just bought a Tesla. And we both used to have Chevy Volts, which yeah. is a hybrid electric uh, gas car. Yeah. And uh, he bought a Tesla and I bought a Tahoe a V8, <laughs> you know. And he was like, I can't believe, man, you don't care about the environment. And I was just like, bro, I've basically, I'm carbon neutral at this point because I've been driving an electric car for like three years. So I've done more offset than most people. Yeah. And I want a big SUV, right. so I'm going to buy one. Right. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is, like, until you change the incentives, people are going to go where the incentives are. It's cheaper to drive. The gas is relatively cheap. A big car is more comfortable. Well, you're going to buy that. So until you change the paradigm of that, or you make them self-driving cars or make electric cars cheaper, people are going to do what they do. So what we ought to be doing is focusing on the bigger picture stuff. Now, yeah. you could argue that that's not being done at all. Now, I don't want to get too wonky, but I have a theory where I can connect all. I can Oh, who's calling you? It's Who's not a call. It's I set my alarm because I have to check in for Southwest. Okay, hold on. Before you before you tell me your theory, let's see let's see what kind of boarding pass I'm gonna actually tell me your theory. You have a minute. Okay, so here's the thing is um <laughs> I actually have a theory that uh, monetary policy is the cause of global warming. Tell me why. So when you have a, a you know inflationary currency like we do and you keep printing and everything, you cause um mis misinvestment and uh, misallocation of capital resources. Mm. And what that ends up producing in our current society is just a bunch of cheap plastic crap. Garbage. And that ends up in the ocean and you know what I mean? So really there is a direct correlation between monetary policy and climate change. I, I, I don't disagree with you. And again, I because I'm an incentivist, like I think people's mm -hmm. incentives drive everything. And that's yeah. why systems design matters. And the way money is structured is the big incentive that is driving pretty much Everything. All of our behaviors. All right, here we go. Here it's exactly ten forty-five. What'd you get? What'd you get? I, I, no, no, I still have to. I have to. It has to let me <laughs> check in. It says details. Now, why is it not letting me check in? Hold on, ten forty-five. Details. Check in. Here we go. Okay, wait for it. Wait for it. Check in again. Eight twenty-one. Motherfucker. I. That's like a terrible number. Eight twenty-one. That's what you got. I'm A-list preferred, bro. I, thought I you often had, get like A sixteen. You don't get that early bird. Dude, early birds for losers, man. I'm not paying. Actually, you don't need it when you're A-list preferred. <laughs> now I got to put my boarding pass in my phone. Thank you, Southwest, for fucking me again. By the way, the, my favorite seat on Southwest 
is the emergency row where they have just two in a row. Robin Fridge says, uh, "LOL, this is a Bitcoin pitch, isn't it? They're getting yeah, wi- they're getting is. wise to me, Z. Yeah, I know, I know. I it keep right slipping away. it in. All I'm the like, time. here comes a Bitcoin pitch, but you know what? He's going to do it sneaky this time. He's not going to mention Bitcoin. He's just going to say <laughs> monetary policy does determine incentives that end up with plastic in the ocean and dead dolphins. So if you want a fucking dead dolphin, then you better fucking you know just think about your monetary policy, which of course all rows lead to the coin. Hey, as long as I'm getting people to think about the way money is structured." And hopefully we can end the Fed at some point because uh, I'm definitely one of those guys. Not a fan of the Fed. Uh, <laughs> not a fan. Just fly with one of the kids that you get priority boarding. But yeah, but then you can't sit in an exit row. And it's also that's also mm-hmm. not true. So when you have a child, oh, you, you have board between A and B. Yeah. yeah, you need a yeah. You board between A and B. So it if you have help. a small child, you pre-board. Yeah, I'm I'm not even sure about that actually. Yeah, you uh, are. on Southwest. Mm-hmm. Really? Pretty. Have sure. you done it? Pretty sure. No, but I've seen it. Okay, I've Wait. seen it done because I remember being like. I'm jealous of these fucking people. <laughs> <laughs> Way and Z-Pack, if you've pre-boarded before the A group on Southwest, you can do it on other flights. Debbie Daniels says, uh, I can handle delayed gratification. After all, I'm being calm while waiting to win the lottery. There it is. That's about as delayed as it gets. Um, Take that Bitcoin logo off the screen, goddammit. <laughs> you motherfucker, Logan. <laughs> Tony Santora, pay the 15 bucks, bro. No, because Tony, as A-list preferred, I'm always guaranteed something in the low A's, whereas... Early bird on Southwest only guarantees you like uh, where you're in line with the other early birds, so you can get you can still get a sixty. Um, let's see, gas isn't cheap in Georgia; it's three sixty nine a gallon. Regina Philpa, it's all it's going up everywhere actually. Uh, it's been twenty seven minutes and I haven't heard about xylitol yet, <laughs> Melissa. Xylitol? Why would we talk about xylitol? I don't understand. It's I mean it's sure it's delicious, nutritious, and it prevents cavities and sinus infections, but I mean. There's nothing about xylitol. Mm, so good. Made by a company called Clear that we know nothing about. You know, it's funny. It's, it's funny that we did one small sponsorship with them and they left their products here. We've all just been eating xylitol. Nonstop. <laughs> Nonstop. If we let a dog in here, the dog would die because it's fatal to dogs. That's true. You no, know we... how it works? You know how it kills dogs? Yeah. The, the xylitol fools the dog's body into thinking it's a real sugar. The dog releases insulin. Mm. They become hypoglycemic and die. Mm. Refractory hypoglycemia. Mm. It's no good. I was thinking of buying Xylitol, says Alex Brunello. There you go. We're incepting him. Tom, do you would you prefer to let the market work without any smoothing to allow deflation? Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. Wait, say, repeat that question. That was wonky as fuck. Yeah, it's too wonky. We won't get into it. Oh, okay. The atrocity of modern air travel brings tears to those of us who remember flying before 9-11, Liz says. I know. You know, I went to uh, North Carolina for a beach vacation or whatever when I was a kid. Or South Carolina, because we were in, near Myrtle's Beach. It's like Hilton Head. This place called Polly's Island, which oh, is yeah. fucking great. It's like, it's beautiful there. Anyway, but I was like 11, a total <laughs> pyromaniac. So I came back with like a full suitcase full of Zippos and uh, butane lighter fluid. Oh, you could just bring on the plane? It was carry-on. I'd carried it on. <laughs> Amazing. Like I had like literally I must have had total a gallon of butane lighter fluid. <laughs> Nobody cared. <laughs> Nobody stopped me. Nobody checked. This must have been in 2000. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. By the way, supporters, you're going to get access to a show today that where Tom took over the AMA episode <laughs> and talked about a topic near and dear to all of us. So stay tuned for that. That's coming today. Um, we're doing more and more for supporters, by the way, because... Yeah, because you guys are the shit. You guys are the shit. Everyone mm-hmm. else can fuck, fucking suck a dick. You guys are the <laughs> shit. You know what's funny is like this podcast that we're doing now is only for supporters, but it goes to the main audio podcast. Mm-hmm. So anyone can listen to the audio. 
And so they're hearing this going, wait, I can suck a dick? Why? I'm not a supporter. And then they'll be like, I want to be a supporter too. I don't want to have to suck a dick. So hopefully no one has to suck a dick. Um, Save a dick, suck a dick. I'm willing. I'm willing. We wanted to do more met emojis, but me and Tom just weren't feeling it, man. Like we just don't know what to do. Yeah, if anybody has met emoji ideas, mm-hmm. we, we are open. Are we really though? It's supposed to be our job to do, come up with this shit. But. I know. We need to do psych. We need to do Obi-Gyne. We need to do... Ah. Liliana Cook says, supporters rock. Yeah, they yeah, do. you guys do. Yeah, they do. Kelsey Kirby caught us live on Tony says, I used to carry a giant knife when I flew 727s. Security would ask about it. I'd tell them it's to cut my way out of the cockpit. Oh, <laughs> man. That's right. Tony's a pilot. Isn't that right? You know what I like what they do nowadays is have you seen the you've seen the new thing they do where they push the cart in front of yeah. the uh, when the pilot has to use the bathroom. Yeah. And then they, yeah. they stand there, the, uh-huh. the air host. I always think that I could just take a running leap and dive right through that stewardess. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like yeah. I could get in that cockpit if I wanted yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Occasionally they have the burly dude uh stewards, right? Uh-huh. And you're like, Well, I bet I could take him too mm-hmm. in your mind, right? And then the reality is the air marshal gets up out of the first totally. row and tases you totally. right in the balls. Although there's not enough air marshals to be on every flight. That's so. right. It's a, it's a bit of a crapshoot. <laughs> did you guys see there's four new Animoji with the update? We did, Liliana. In fact, we looked at some of them. Here, maybe I'll show people what that looks like. Um, do an annoying therapist emoji, the Donna rapist? says. All right. I'm into that. I can do that. Uh, let me see here. I need to use a... I don't like the Medmoji, says Jennifer. How dare you, Jennifer? They're a little childish. Yeah, I agree. A little. All right, these are the new ones. What would you guys like to see more of since we're just all chatting with the supporters? Oh, there's a giraffe. There's a giraffe. And then you've got Sharky McShark. And then you've got, hang on, I bet I could just, no, I can't. I can't show you guys them in action because like, hello, you won't be able to see it. We'd have to set up another camera. Actually, wait, Tom's camera. Here we go. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, oh wait, it's not working though. It's it's too out of focus. Oh, it's too hard to too, see. I can't see it. Forget yeah, it. That too was hard for the audience. Stupid ass idea. God damn it, Logan. Why'd you think of that? It was dumb. Ooh, Jay says more of the morning <laughs> rounds for sure. Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah. Do you, you guys, guys like want to see more of Z in his bathroom? Because he's moving to a much smaller bathroom. Yeah. Now me and my bathroom, there's no there's no sofa in the bathroom. There's just a toilet in the bathroom. And that's what I'll be sitting on when I do the show. It's really depressing. Most people don't have a full couch in there. The sectional. You know what? Most people most people need to say. upgrade their life. All right. Marie Kondo can suck it. Upgrade yourself. Yeah, upgrade yourself. Upgrade yourself. <laughs> you need to diversify your bonds. Um Chappelle is the greatest. I, I man, we yeah. we all got screwed that yeah, Chappelle wouldn't do more stuff. Yeah, we did. You know? Key yeah. and Peel are a whack ass version of Chappelle. Nah. Let's all be real. I like Key and Peel too. But they're not as good as Chappelle. No, they're not even. They don't even approach the asymptote of That's Chappelle. That's right. Clayton Bigsby, the black white supremacist. <laughs> Woogie boogie. <laughs> you know what, UN? You should just sanction me. Sanction me with your army. Oh, you don't have an army? You should probably shut the fuck up. Yeah, shut, shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. Exactly. Don't forget this. Cunnilingus rice. <laughs> we should send her over to Mexico. Let the Mexicans eat her white power. <laughs> you know, the first time I saw that skit, I may or may not have been high. Oh, yeah. I was watching it going, oh, yeah. man, it was like 2000. Like, this is the apex of satirical, political, racial commentary, <laughs> and it's fucking hilarious. Jennifer says Bitcoin is Tom Xylitol. It's true. It's true. You're always shilling it. 
I'm like, hey, here's the thing. Z, Z, Z xylitol is consciousness. <laughs> That's true. Every one of these uh, supporter <laughs> shows is just Z gets down to the nature of consciousness. And I'm like, yeah, but if we had better money, things could be better. Exactly. And I'm like, well, money is just a conscious agent. Tom Heinemann is just an icon in our graphical user interface. And by the way, xylitol is delicious and nutritious. I can't imagine being without it. <laughs> what do we got here? How about a chaplain emoji? That's oh, interesting. That's interesting. My ear says. The owl. The owl could be the chaplain. Mm -hmm. hoo -hoo. Hoo -hoo. Hoo -hoo. Everybody finds God in their own way. Hoo -hoo. <laughs> We're all connected to a higher purpose. Do you remember those old owl commercials with the, uh, the Tootsie Roll Pops? Yeah. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll? And he goes, <laughs> three. You know what I'm sad about is like we your childhood and my childhood they would play the same commercial for like 35 years uh-huh you know uh-huh and now my daughter's never gonna get to see those those stupid old commercials Mikey. yeah exactly he likes it he likes it <laughs> you know they would that tootsie roll pop commercial played for 40 years yep <laughs> yep we were just talking about commercial memes they almost don't happen anymore we're like yeah, it becomes true. part of the lexicon yeah we were talking about like what's up or like we were talking about dilly dilly recently, but that was an attempt. It was terrible. It feels contrived, right? Dilly dilly. Oh, but what yeah. were the what were the ones we were saying? Um, oh, I slept at a Holiday Inn. Like that's mm -hmm. one of them. What, yeah. What was another one? Um, Budweiser frogs. The Budweiser. Bud, Budweiser. Wise. But stuff where we just you start using it in conversation. Mm -hmm. Like uh, what was the one we were we were doing earlier? Um, mm. Oh, it's uh, I'm not a blank, but I just play one on blank. Right. Yeah. I'm not a dick, but I play one mm -hmm. on YouTube. Right, exactly. These sort of like, uh, you know, verbal memes that go on forever and ever. Oh, Liliana says the dancing Hershey kisses for Xmas. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Remember those? I do. Dude. They, they were. And, or the, what about the. What about the, the raisins? The raisins. Oh, dude. So the California raisins. California raisins. I grew up in Fresno. Oh, my God. They the were best. part of like the raisin industry's uh, thing. And so <laughs> everyone in Fresno was like, that's our shit. And we're like, oh, that's really whack. Do you also remember when Chevron had the cars? Yeah. And at, at California gas stations, yep, you could get the cars. Up. Yeah, They'd be like, stick it in. Stick it in me. Yeah. Fill me up with your with your, with your your lovely gas. You're like, dude, this is gross. That shit is gross mm -hmm. as hell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> These cars are way too anthropomorphic. I don't want my car to be a human. Oh, what about you're not you when you're hungry? The oh, sneaker, yeah, you're not you when you're hungry. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Did someone recommend people say someone? People still say that one, you know? Yeah. You're not you when you're hungry. You're me. Well, Regina, Regina says, I wish I could get high, but those unannounced P tests put a halt to that. Yeah. Do you think they're actually testing you? Or do you no. think it's just a scare tactic? It's a scare tactic. I, I don't think they actually have the money to send out all the tests. I think, you know what I mean? I think they just make you pee in the cup and then they're You know what's like, amazing is they're testing for like weed, but it's like, that's relatively harmless compared to like the alcoholics who are among us constantly, mm -hmm. who are coming in hungover. No, this is true. See, here's the yeah. thing is actually, you should go out drinking on the weekdays and then be hungover at work. Because then on your off days, you're not hungover. Ah, that's yeah, smart. See? You can't get measles if you die of polio. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Um, Andy Loin, who's that guy? A, der a derm spends all day on Instagram talking about how youthful Paul Rub Rudd looks at 50. Yeah, that's apparently a meme. Paul Rudd hasn't aged in like 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. He's a handsome man. He is. Mm -hmm. I want that. Um, let's see. This is your brain on drugs, Christy Columbus. Um, I love the Cali Raisins, Regine Philpole. I do too. Don't, don't, don't. Oh, don't. yeah, I remember Just Say No. Yeah, oh, Just Say No. Just all of that. That's horseshit. Just say no. Just say no to saying no. That's, that, that was our little spin on it. That the first work. time you do drugs, you're like, 
These are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Why were they telling me not to do that? That's these? exactly what happened. The first time I tried <laughs> weed, I was like, these motherfuckers have been lying to me. The first time I did cocaine, I was like, this is all the love I've been looking for in my life. And I just put it right up my nose. <laughs> I've never done cocaine. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I fear I fear my, my response to that. Only psychedelics and weed. And MDMA. Like Alex's have had two alcoholic coworkers. One was in an office and sat next to me, and the other was at Dollar Tree. <laughs> <laughs> you ever know any alcoholic docs that you worked with? Like on Absolutely. the Absolutely. Yeah. They used to come into work drunk. Do surgeries hungover. And the residents yeah. couldn't say anything because we were in a power differential, right? You know, the attending would come in, radiology, smelling a fucking booze. Yeah. And um, one of them ended up getting a liver transplant, actually. And, uh, you know, for, you know, unclear etiology. It, yeah, we all knew what it was. Right. It's really actually quite depressing because you want these people to be able to get help, but it's so stigmatized that they can't. Yeah. And on top of that, the culture of medicine is like, be quiet or lest the eye of Sauron turn on you. I've heard um, I've heard Dr. Drew say this, that, you know, uh, he doesn't understand why in the medical profession, abstinence is the only... Uh, is the only prescription that you would ever give a doctor for, you know, right. for drug abuse. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in, in the population, we feel it's okay to put them on Suboxone or right. Methadone. Or right, right, right. No, no. Right. If you had a colleague, you would be like, clean your fucking act yeah, up. Yeah, right. Get it's the true. fuck off the shit. Yeah. You know, go to a meeting, do what you got to do, you know. Right. That kind of stuff. But right. How can, how can we don't hold other people to the same standard? You well, know? you know, uh, we... Uh, we sort seem of an to, ivory tower sort We of seem thing. to fantasize that uh, we have a degree of free will and moral agency, which, by the way, is a good lead into next week's AMA episode on free will. It's about free will and moral Free willy agency. is what we were going to call it uh, <laughs> until we had to stop Logan from making that the, 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 the thumbnail triptych. Liver transplants wreck the blood bank. I bet they do, Jay Driggers. I bet they do, actually, for a variety of reasons. Megan says we have an ER doc who is almost always high on weed, and I don't think the doc can function without it at this point. Ooh. Who are these? You know, here's the thing about stoners is... Uh, who are these people? It's just like, why do you, why are you high all day every day? I can't you know, that. But, the, you know... Because I, I, drink, I drink, and I occasionally smoke pot, and occasionally do pills, because I like to party. But... <laughs> It's, I'm really glad you don't have a medical license, really. <laughs> but it's like, first of all, I don't have the gene for addiction. I would have been addicted at this point. Yeah, I've done true. all the addictive shit. That's probably true. And second of all, you know, I don't do it all the time. I do it sparingly. PRN. Every once in a while. Yes, as needed. Yeah. Once, yeah. once every like two weeks, I'll have some drinks, you know. Professional stoners are an interesting thing because I can't wrap my head around why. But then again, it's because I can't wrap my head around why in other words i'm not in their uh. skin there's something going on there that they're medicating and they're they feel like they're better people being high than not now there's a piece of that i understand at low doses i become a better person i'm more yeah you know friendly and open but that feels artificial to me and then the downside of it is that sort of stoner haze and the a motivational piece and and some people use it for chronic pain and all that look to each his own but it doesn't mean i have to understand it because i can't i can't wrap my head around it i always feel like they're medicating a problem that ought to be root addressed and it would make their life a lot better than you know having to come to work high which mm -hmm. seems squirrely look i can't even function when i'm super high uh, i don't understand how you go to work gnc crownover says my daughter's uh gyne doc just got a dui she's a good doc though had a bad night so should we judge her forever i'm with him I will tell you, though, as somebody who had a DUI that was reduced to a reckless driving uh, because I had a good lawyer when I was 20, that by the time you're caught for a DUI, you've been you've doing done a while. lot of drinking and yeah. driving. Because by the time I was caught for one, yeah. I, man, I must have done 
the hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. That's, that, that's the, so what that person needs is help. Yes. You don't judge them. You say, well, yeah. okay. At this day and age too, you should take an Uber. Cause I like to get drunk, but I See, take an Uber now. It's becoming less and less socially you know? acceptable. Right. It's never been socially acceptable to drive drunk, but people are always like, well, what else am I going to yeah, do? It's like, right. well, now it's like, no, you have a fucking easy answer. Leave your car in the parking lot, text the fucking Uber, totally. and go home, and then you can take an Uber back the next day. Yeah. It's not even expensive. It's much cheaper than a DUI or killing someone or yourself. I shouldn't teach people to do this, people how to do this, but uh, the way you get out of your uh, DUI, too, <laughs> by the way, is uh, you refuse all the tests. Oh. They say, you do this test, do that test. You say, no, I refuse. They will take you to jail. Then you will have your blood alcohol tested many hours later, especially if it's on like a busy Friday night, Saturday night. And uh, then your blood alcohol will be much lower. And then when you go to trial, you'll be able to have it thrown out. Just saying. I mean, this is all theoretic. I didn't grow up with white privilege or anything. I, I'm just I'm just saying this is how the legal system works. <laughs> oh, this is the supporter-only show, people. There's no Uber here. Small town, JNC, crown over. Now, that's mm. a good point. So that means we need to get Uber where you are. That's I always like going to those small towns that have like one guy who does Uber. Yeah. And then he'll just give you his phone number. Oh, I know. And then I've, you just pay him in cash. I had that in uh, yeah. Mississippi when yeah. I spoke at, uh, uh, at uh, I forget the name of the hospital down there. And there was one Uber guy. Mm -hmm. yeah, and he's like, hey, bro, next time you're yeah. in town. I'm when like, we go up to Big Bear, California, it's like that. Like we, uh, we literally just call this dude Frank. And we're like, hey, Frank, take us to the bar. And yeah, then, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, did we do it? I think we did it. Is there anything else we want to talk about? We done did it, fools. How, what's how many? Xylitol? Hey, I, mean, the I thing just want to say Xylitol is delicious, and uh, it's nutritious, and apparently it can cure all the things. You know, if it weren't for Xylitol, I think my life would have long ago been off the rails. I would have been high on crack. I would have been having hose, clocking a grip. And instead, I just chew delicious and nutritious Xylitol, non-absorbed sugar alcohol that may well change your life as well I as your I used to be one of those people who would... Uh, Put a regular, put a service dog vest on my regular dog and take him on the airplane. You know, an asshole. But now after Xylitol, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Changed my life. Uh, I was used to be the kind of person who would cut in a rental car line at your destination airport. I was the kind of person who would go to a Cinnabon at my departure airport <laughs> until I started Spry uh, Xylitol gum. Xylitol changed my life, Tom Hanover, and it can change yours. Yeah, I used to pick up hookers and I beat them to death. <laughs> But not after Xylitol. Now I, now I stay clean. I used to drive a hybrid before Xylitol. Now I have a Chevy Tahoe because I'm like, fuck those hoes. Xylitol. <laughs> Fucking them hoes since 1994. <laughs> oh, we did it, Tom Heinever. We did another episode of Supporter Only Morning Rounds with Tom and Z. I want to thank the supporters for being, for being very tolerant. Very, very tolerant. Of bad behavior. Uh, in fact, encouraging it. What do you think, Tom? Should we go out with a... Oh, nice, Logan. Zolotol logo. Robin Wilk. <laughs> she, I guess he had a Zolotol logo up Listen there. up, guys. You're just going to have to get yourself some, some Bitcoin really cool. and really some good. Zolotol <laughs> and just know that it's all consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> and we brought it home. <laughs> the thumbnail. Hold up the Zolotol, Tom Heinover, for the thumbnail. We'd be shilling it. Zolotol. Wait, I got to get just that right. Where's mm -hmm. my glare? Yeah, there. There it oh, is. it looks beautiful now. Oh, yeah. You can't see it. Yeah, I love it. Thanks, guys. We out. <laughs>